Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Wednesday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. On Monday, we began our study of the Sermon on the Mount with a memorable and clever introduction, the Beatitudes. Now today, we're moving on to part two, six propositions that exceed the law. And I begin with chapter five of Matthew at verse 17. Jesus continues his teaching. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Jesus is not doing away with the old and introducing the new. He's completing the old. So I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, not a dot or a tittle, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. What Jesus teaches reaches right back to the Hebrew Scriptures, takes the principles, and completes an understanding of them. It's not a matter of simply obeying the law. It's a matter of internalizing the law and living the law. So anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Notice, not simply teach, but also practice or live. For I tell you, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not even enter the kingdom of heaven. So if all you're doing is mechanically obeying the law out of fear of punishment or perhaps out of self-righteousness, no, that's not going to cut it. You need to internalize that law to make it part of who you are and to live it out in your life. If you're not doing that, you can be the most meticulous observer of the law that ever walked the earth, and it won't get you one step closer to God. So Jesus will introduce six propositions that exceed the law. Here's the first one. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Well, that's commandment number six of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20 at verse 13. You've heard it said, now often, do not kill. But Hebrew has many different words for the act of killing. This refers specifically to murder. The Hebrew word is rathsak. And in the Greek, here in the Sermon on the Mount, it's funuo. It's specifically the unlawful, premeditated taking of another person's life. Scripture allows killing in warfare, killing judicial killing, killing animals for food. Any number of actions of killing are permitted, but not the unlawful, premeditated taking of another person's life. And I think that's an important thing to note. You know, any other crime that you commit against a person, if you steal from them, 
Well, you can make restitution for that. You can be found guilty, you can be punished for it, and make restitution. And that's built into the Mosaic Law. If you find yourself alienated from God because of what you said or done, the first step in getting back into a right relationship with God is to recognize the position you're in, to admit it, to confess it. The second is to make restitution for it and then to begin living out a new way of doing things. So you've heard it said, do not murder. The unlawful unlawful premeditated taking of another person's life. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone that says to his brother, Racha, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. What's going on here? The unlawful, premeditated taking of another person's life is the final step in a sequence of actions. Think of it this way. You have a business partner that you've been working with for much of your life, and uh, you've gotten along well, you've both had your your talents and abilities, You've, you've built up a company. And then you find that this partner, this person you trusted, has been embezzling money from the company, and you're alarmed to find out that the company's about to go under, going to bankruptcy. You're going to lose everything. Not only your company, but your home, your car, everything. And you are really angry with this person. And you confront them. And you have it out with them. And you part on really bad terms. But all the while, you're fuming inside. All the while you're thinking, I will get even for this. And as that anger congeals into hatred, a plan begins to form in your mind. And one night, you find yourself parked two blocks from your former partner's house, and you see him get out, come out of the house, drive off, and you follow him. And then you see that he's on the way back home. So you take another route and you get there first. And you get out of your car, still parked two blocks away on a side street, and you make your way to his front door, to the bushes on either side of the front door. And you wait for him. The car pulls into the driveway. You're watching from the bushes. It's dark night. He locks the car, walks up to his front door. He's fishing the keys out of his pocket. And you step out from the bushes and you put a forty-five against his head and blow his head off. You pull the trigger. Boom! You kill him. He deserved it. You see? That's the final step in a sequence of events. So Jesus said, when you find yourself 
feeling anger. And that anger congeals into hatred. That's a middle finger. <laughs> when you find you're going on that path, get out of there. Resolve it at the first stages because you know where it's going to lead. So yes, commandment number six, do not murder. The unlawful premeditated taking of another person's life. You know, for any other crime, you can make restitution. But you can't make restitution for taking that person's life. They will never again see their family. They will never again watch a football game. They will never again eat a steak and a baked potato. They will never again see their children, hear laughter. You've ended that. That's a serious crime. And when you find yourself at the beginning of that, feeling that anger, get out of there. So therefore, says Jesus, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar. God says, don't need it. <laughs> leave it there. Go be reconciled to your brother, then come back. Solve the problem at the first opening of it. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still with him on the way, where he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer and be thrown in prison. Settle it at the beginning. Don't try to wait until the end, because it won't work. The second proposition that exceeds the law Adultery. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. Well, that's Exodus 20 at verse 14, the very next commandment. Do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, those of you who are about my age, who grew up in the 60s and 70s, may remember the Playboy interview with Jimmy Carter when he was running for president. And when asked if he ever committed adultery, he said, I've committed adultery in my heart. He thought about it, didn't do it, but he thought about it. Just as with murder, adultery is the final step in a sequence of events. Here you are at work. You work in a law office, let's say. You're an attorney. And, uh, and you have a new hire, a young woman from Harvard Law. And oh, she's really attractive too. She's smart, dresses well, presents herself well before clients and partners. You take a liking to her. And after a while, you know, you're in your office, and when she walks by, you look up, you wave at her. Then you go to the break room, you chat her up a bit. And then you find yourself on the way to work. You get up in the morning, you get all ready, and you think, well, I'm going to see so-and-so today. And you, you put on your best tie. You want to look right. And then you have a client, corporate client in another city, 
And your partner, the team, has to go there and deal with the issues. So you say to her, I'd like you to come with me to Boston and meet with a client and help me out with this. So sure enough, the two of you head off, stay at a very nice hotel, meet with a client. Big success. She was brilliant during the whole thing. You have dinner together. Oh, some great wine. A Stag's Leap Cabernet 2017. Great dinner, steak and lobster. You have flan for dessert. And you're laughing and having a grand old time. You go back to the hotel. And as you approach the elevator, she says, would you like to come up and have a nightcap? And you think to yourself, I sure would. <laughs> so up you go to her floor and you step out of the elevator and you get right there to the door. She's about to put the key card in the door. If she puts that key card in the door and you go in the room, you know exactly what's going to happen. It began with an innocent flirtation at the office and it ends in that hotel room. It's the last step in a sequence of events. So you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, commandment number seven. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustily has already, you're in the first step of a sequence that will end and you know where it's going to end. And yet you take the next step and the one after that and the one after that and the one after that. So if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. When you start down that path, as painful as it may be, get out of there. And then, the next principle that exceeds the law, the commandment that exceeds the law. Appropriately so, it's been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. So here we have adultery. Now we have divorce. See the sequence? Anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. That's permitted in the Mosaic Law, Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, and here's the escape clause, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. Well, this was a big topic in Jesus' day, as it has been at many times in history. There were those who felt that, according to Deuteronomy 24, verse 1, that divorce is permitted under any circumstance. You're just unhappy with her. She was attract, young and attractive. Now she's old and haggard. Get rid of her, get a new one. Or she burnt the dinner. I can't tolerate a burnt dinner. Get rid of her and get a new one. There were those who felt that. They were very open about divorce. There were others who said, no, under no circumstances. That marriage is a commitment for life. 
It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what one does. It's a commitment for life. Jesus is asked about it. And he comes down on the latter side. Anyone who divorces his wife causes her to become an adulteress, and anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery, with the escape clause, except for marital unfaithfulness. Now, that's my translation here in the New International Version uh, translation. But the Greek word is porneia, marital unfaithfulness. There are those who translate it adultery, but no, porneia. We get the word pornography from it. It's a broader word than simple adultery. So that requires discernment. Now, I'm not a marriage counselor. I'm not a pastor or a priest. But if you're in that position, you need to consult with some wise people. People who are spiritually in tune. Porneia. If you're married to a man who you were in love with, who treated you well, who uh, you thought you'd have a wonderful life together, but then you marry and he quits his job and doesn't go look for another one because you have a good job after all. He just stays at home. He doesn't make a living. He sponges off you. And then he becomes angry. He has a temper. And periodically he beats the crap out of you. Does God expect you to stay with that person? Again, I'm not a marriage counselor. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a priest. But I would have a question mark on that. That's something for you to talk over with a wise advisor. The fourth proposition that exceeds the law. Again, you've heard it said to the people long ago, do not break your oath. Do not break your oath. But keep the oaths that you've made to the Lord. If you made a promise to God, keep the promise. If made a promise to someone else, keep the promise. I tell you, do not swear at all. Do not say, I promise I'll do this, I swear I'll do it, either by heaven or God's throne or by the earth or whatever. And don't swear by your head, by yourself. You cannot make one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You know, when you make a promise, you keep the promise. Well, the situation changed. Well, too bad. You gave your word. You keep your word. If you don't believe you can, then don't make the promise. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Next, number five. You've heard that it was said long ago, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. 
an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Exodus 21, verse 24, and Leviticus 24, at verse 20. That's a mitigation of vengeance. If someone injures me, I can't injure them back in a greater way. If someone punches me in the nose, I can't take out my 45 and shoot them. But I tell you, says Jesus, it must be equal. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Remember Tevia in Fiddler on the Roof. He said, well, if we all did that, the whole world would be blind and toothless. But Jesus said, I tell you, don't resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him, the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Well, of these six propositions that exceed the law, I have the greatest difficulty with this one. I can see an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. There must be justice. Not escalating, but justice. But if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your, your cloak. If someone forces you to go a mile, go two. I don't know. I spent six years in the Marine Corps. I was in martial arts for a long time. If someone strikes me on the, on the right cheek, I'll probably kick their butt. Well, Jesus said, no. You have an obligation to de-escalate, to de-escalate, not to go back punch for punch, but de-escalate the encounter. That's the principle here. You've heard it said in the law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, justice. But I tell you, if someone comes against you, you have an obligation to de-escalate the encounter, not to make it equal, not to escalate it to de-escalate it. And that takes real courage and real discipline. And finally, proposition number six, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You know, that, that word hate, we have it in Leviticus 19, verse 18. That word hate, typically in the scriptures, we have extreme opposites to establish a position. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That is, it's a natural thing to love those who love you and to not love those who don't love you. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? What's the big deal about that? Everybody loves those who love them. Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that? So be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. If you understand the law, 
the Mosaic Law, and you can quote it line by line. But if you internalize it, if you live it, you get to a deeper meaning, a deeper level of understanding. So love your enemy and hate your love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for them. Again, it's a kind of de-escalation. Look out for their good, not a way to get back at them. So we have these six propositions that exceed the law. A clever and memorable introduction. Six propositions that exceed the law. And next we move on to six concrete actions to implement the law. And that's where we'll go on Friday. Hey, thank you for being here with me. I always love our time together and look forward to it. Bye-bye now.